Well, happy day after Valentine's Day, everybody. It's the 15th of February, 2023. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is 3K12 Education Talk Radio. And we got a real 3K. This is a good, I'm really looking forward to this show today. We, we've got, uh, I'm supposed to have three guests right now. Only two have called in. I'll find out which two in just a second. But um, we've got several professors here. All right. And also the associate director of the Early Childhood Intervention Personnel Development Equity Center. Okay. For the Federation for Children with Special Needs. And this is a show about special education, special needs, pre-K. Okay. Early childhood. And that is something I have never even thought about. Okay. It's just, thank God, all my children did not need that. Okay, so it never occurred to me to even think about it. So I'm really looking forward to this show. This is a whole new world and thought process for me, and I'm so glad we're doing it. It's CEC, the Council for Exceptional Children. Laurie, thank you very much over there for helping me set all this up. Okay, and um, it's going to be a great show. All right, we're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org. That is the uh, home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. You can go over there, see our magazine, which is an online journal called Equity and Access Pre-K-12. You'll see the cover of the magazine. Click through. This issue uh, honors all the Equity Award winners in education, okay, both the industry and, and your colleagues as uh, professionals, teachers, whatever the case may be. Okay, and it's a wonderful issue, and I hope you do flip through it over there and read it carefully, and we hope we can honor you perhaps next year. All right? Uh, So please check out how we do the entries and all that for our equity uh, awards that are national in in scope. All right, we also have seltoday.org, teacher-retention.com, and all the podcasts we do are over at ace-ed.org. It's all linked over there. Everything we do over there is free. So please, if you want a subscription to the magazine, we'll send it to you on your email, okay, each and every month, each and every issue we publish every other month. Okay, ace-ed.org, and I'm going to find out who my two out of three guests are. Maybe they're all here. Okay, Mary Beth, are you there? Yes, and all three of us are here. I am here with Darla Gundler on the same phone. That's wonderful. Hi, Darla. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Darla. Okay, and Tawara, are you there? I am here um, in another state, but definitely here. I think you're in the state (laughs) of Massachusetts. Are you in Massachusetts? I actually am in the wannabe state of Washington, D.C., Ooh, <laughs> I hope it becomes one. I wish I only wish that would happen. Believe me, I'm on your side with that one. That's absurd. Okay, that it isn't. All right, let me introduce you all for real. And again, thanks to CEC for helping with this. Mary Beth Bruder, say hello, Mary Beth, Professor Bruder. Hi, everybody. There you go. She's a professor of public health sciences, pediatrics, and educational psychology. Well, okay. Director of the Yukon Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. Okay. Wow. That's incredible. Darla Gundler. Hi, Darla. Say hello. Hello. Hello, Darla. Okay. She's the associate director, as I mentioned before. I find this really interesting. The Early Childhood Intervention Personnel Development Equity Center. Is that is that the whole title? Yes, it Did is. I get it right? Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that because we're so equity oriented here. Okay. And you are with. Help me here. Are you with the Federation for Children with Special Needs? 
That's the Parent Training and Information Center that's federally funded under the U.S. Department of Education. Wow. You guys are wonderful. And Tawara Good, Professor Good, say hello, Tawara. Hello, everyone. <laughs> okay. She's the director of great school, Georgetown University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities Center for Child and Human Development. These are such these are such long um, titles, it's unbelievable. Okay. Mary Beth, just tell everybody, and as a professor of public health sciences at UConn, tell everybody what you do. At the um, Center for direct- Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, these centers, there are 67 centers across the country that have these names. Tawara um, directs the one in D.C. I'm up here in Connecticut. And our mission is to really fulfill the Developmental Disabilities Act of 2000 to make sure that every person with a disability birth through their lifespan have access um, to supports and services to live a productive, independent um, yeah. life in an inclusive community. Yeah, all three of of us are the directors of this brand-new Equity Center, which is in Early Childhood (gasps) Intervention and Personnel Professional Development. And we're thrilled. CEC is one of our partners, so we're thrilled to be here and uh, talk about this center and the supports we can provide um, to the state systems that uh, deliver services to young children with disabilities and their families. Wow. Wow. That's great. Congratulations to all three of the three co-directors. Tawara, uh, associate professor at George, the good old Georgetown. Okay, what, what do you what, what what's your take on all this? What, what what do you do all the time when you're there? This is the ex- University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. Okay, go ahead. It's, it's amazing. All right, I am. You guys are great. I have multiple. Yes, I have multiple hats, and so um, uh, very similar to what. Um, Mary Beth shared. I am director of the Georgetown University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. And our work, again, focuses on interdisciplinary training, um, pre-service on training, continuing education, research, dissemination, and um, again, community services. And this is in the District of Columbia, although our work, just as in Connecticut, um, may indeed be national. And again, as we look at populations in the District of Columbia, um, there are great disparities in terms of um, access, um, utilization, et cetera. And so that's been a a true area of focus for our our USED, or University Center for Development Disabilities. To say one other thing, I'm also director of the Georgetown University National Center for Cultural Competence since 1997. Wow. And um, I work there truly has focused on um, really advancing cultural linguistic competence as evidence-based practices to address disparities, promote equity um, overall. So that's, that's my work. Wow, you are, you're, all, you're all amazing. And, and Tawar, let me ask you, how we, I'm just going to ask you, how are we doing on all that? You've been doing it a long time. What's your take on things right now, this great state of Florida aside? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I would say that there is not enough time in this podcast to be able to give you a comprehensive answer. So I want to qualify that. However, I think the um, most accurate and simplest effort is that we have a long way to go. We are at very different places and and states and communities across this country and tribal nations and and within our territories. 
I'm glad you said tribal nations. That was that was good. Okay, I appreciate that. All right, Mary Beth, what's your take? And I'm going to ask Darla the same question. So Mary Beth, what's your take? Where are we now in all this? Um, we have a ways to go, and I should say that um, we are very, very um, happy to be also partnering with the Office of Special Ed Programs, which is funding the center because they recognize the fact that families who have children who have either developmental delays or disabilities are not accessing services. They don't have opportunities that are equal across the yeah. country, though equity yeah. is really what we're looking at. And so um, we are trying our best to work with states and territories, tribal nations, to look, um, take a deep dive in their service delivery system and to really look at what are the barriers that cause these disparities and how can we overcome them through the training of personnel to be more aware and more um, open to making sure services fit the family as opposed to families having to fit a system that may uh, have some structural barriers. What a great way to say that. Thank you. Darla, what's your take? So just to piggyback on that, I really feel yeah. that, the, um, that the families what what we've really reached out to are the and we have as part of our um, as our advisory group are families that have lived experience, families that have lived through being marginalized or by um, have not had the same access as their as their peers, uh, peer yeah. families. And I think you know partnering with the Federation for Children with Special Needs, it's a very diverse um, parent training and information center that's funded by the U.S. Department of Education. And so we actually we have access to be able to translate our information into multiple languages because access means oh, that's you great. know being able to understand you know what 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 the information is that's out there. So that's yeah. that's and, and so we're we're being intentional. That's the, that's the point. And, and that is excellent. I want to go back to something Tarawa said. Tarawa, Professor Good, okay, you said we need more interdisciplinary training, okay? And I want to ask you the question, training for who? When we do, are we talking about school, school teachers, uh, school counselors, educational psychologists, uh, the community? When you, when you say that, interdisciplinary training, who, who do you want to get that training? Yes, um, I when I made the comment, it was looking at the responsibilities of all usage under the Developmental Disabilities um, Act. That included okay. interdisciplinary training and also community training and continuing education. So I will speak to at least our usage. Um, we provide pre-service training, people who are um, those students um, that are indeed in their professional disciplines, whether it's speech and language or psychology, et cetera, um, uh, to really give expertise specifically in the area of, of intellectual and developmental disabilities. So that's one. We also provide community training. Those are people who are practicing um, within the District of Columbia, um, agencies, et cetera, on best practices, including evidence-based practices in support of individuals and families who experience intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, and then we would look at a, a training and education that we provide in a way that is, um, I'm going to say culturally and linguistically competent for families in particular and persons with the lived mm. experience of intellectual and developmental disabilities. And that may vary depending on um, what we're focusing on. We did a lot during our um, COVID pandemic, now endemic in this country, um, to yeah. support persons to access services. So 
So it, it, it really does depend. You know, it's amazing. We're talking to, we're talking to mostly educators today, okay, professional educators in the pre-K-12 system. All right, and I'll go to I'll go back to Mary Beth, uh, Professor Bruder. Okay, tell tell me how the school districts fit into this, and that that's a key question. Okay, because they're very very concerned about pre-K for a zillion reasons as well. They should be, I might add. Okay, but now we're talking about special education, ch- children with special needs, however you want to phrase that. Okay, where, where do the school districts? How do how do you see the school districts fitting in, Professor? Bruder. Well, this, thank you. Um, the You're school welcome. districts have had, have had the responsibilities to provide services to young children aged three to five who have disabilities under the Individuals with Disabilities um, Education Act. So the school districts, also called LEAs, local education agencies, have been providing these services um, following all the principles of free appropriate public education. Mm-hmm. And though professionals, including teachers and, as you said, psychologists and therapists who work in schools, um, focus on the very um, specific developmental needs of young children, three to five, which is different than, let's say, a 12th grader, as obvious. Absolutely. But it's a, very, it's a specialty area. And then the, the piece that this equity center is also um, focused on are those professionals who support children birth to three also which is under the auspices of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. It's called Part C, Early Intervention for Infants and mm-hmm. Toddlers. Teachers, teachers are also trained and work within these systems. And one of the biggest services that um, uh, early childhood special education and early intervention teachers do is provide the supports and the continuity of services for families who may first find out their child has a disability un- when they're under the age of yeah. three, uh, they can yeah. be provided those services in the home and in community places, such as child care, um, other early childhood, but then transitioning them into this public school system at age three. And a couple of the principles that we um, strongly, strongly support is inclusion. That is, children with disabilities should be provided these services with typically developing children. And um, that's, a, you know, that's a quality indicator of early childhood special ed. So we really um, hope... And uh, we hope we can help school districts see that all pre-K kids should be seen as uh, children in the school system and then the supports and services that are individualized for those children who have delays or disabilities. So, so let, me, let me ask you this, and Darla, I'll give this one to you, but if you want to pass it on to someone else, you can, because you might not know the answer. How well trained? are early childhood educators in special education. And again, I'm going to admit, I never really thought about this. Okay. I, I think it's, I, it's just a fascinating topic to me. Okay. And how are we training early childhood educators to be able to work and not only work with these kids, but be able to see if there's a challenge out there. Uh, Darla, what's your thoughts? Well, I think I think Mary Beth would be the best person to answer that question because I have a, I have another comment I want to make after she, she addresses that question. Go um, ahead. So I'll, I'll just uh, jump into it. There's um, two specific um, priorities. One is those special educators who uh, are prepared in institutions of higher ed to work with young children called early childhood special educators. We have shortages. We have shortages across nope. the board. If, I can only if, imagine. We know that. 
Right, but in early childhood special ed and early intervention, we have shortages of those trained specifically in the pedagogy um, that help children live and learn um, who are under the age of five or pre-K, as we call them. Um, In regard to general educators, uh, and let's say early childhood educators, we also have shortages of um, personnel who have specific awareness, knowledge, and skills on how to include a child with a disability. So it's a huge lift right now that the country is facing on top of the shortages, also looking at the appropriate curriculum to teach people. And then our third piece, which we can't, you know, leave without saying, bringing in more people into the profession who um, look like the kids we're serving. We are Uh, very predominantly white, and we need to bring in um, uh, much more diversity. And I'll turn it back to Darla. Yeah, and by the way, they, they they have to look like the communities they're serving. Okay, and because exactly. there's, I mean, exactly. it's just so it's so important, and we are really up against it because not only is that hard to do, it's just hard to get anyone into the profession these days. I mean, wow, yes, you is. know, it, it's it's just it's a tough time right now, and it's a, it's a scary time. We have to adjust somehow. I don't know, Darla, you wanted to say something a few minutes ago. Okay, you you asked. Well, go I, ahead. Well, I, you were going to make a comment yeah, on I something. I want to piggyback on the inclusion and the, that in early childhood, what we can do is we are we're really building a foundation in early childhood for families and helping them see their role in um, if we can get families involved, engaged in um, in intervention and in birth to three. We, I truly believe that 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 sort of sets the trajectory for the families as they move as their kiddos move out of the birth to three system into the school system. And I think, you know, the other thing is we want our families and our children to have a sense of belonging. We want them to see that they belong in the school, they belong in the classroom, that they belong in the yeah. community. And it's not just a one and done. It says, you know, and we all need to work. Um, we all need to do better. And we know when we know better, we do better, right? That's so I really want us to think about <laughs> a sense of belonging and do all kids feel that they belong in the environment that they're currently receiving their services. Right. It's, it's, it's all part and parcel of making a better education system, I have to tell you. So this is going to be the big question. All this said, okay, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll start at the top again on my list anyway, but, but, Professor Bruder, okay, how do how do we do Where do we start? Where Where's Where's the, where's the where, where's the first step in when you throw the hopscotch coin? Where do you wind up? Where do you start? Well, the first step is awareness that this is an issue. And while I think um, you know we on this call with you all agree it's an issue, I think there are a lot of people um, who don't necessarily understand the complexity and think we can do a simple fix. And uh, this is not going to take a simple fix. It's going to take time and starting with awareness and then a common vision. Um, how do we bring our school districts uh, to have a common vision that all children belong uh, in school starting at pre-K? Um, obviously, we're proponents of universal pre-K, which mm-hmm. would then allow children with disabilities to be included from the get-go. But obviously, we feel strongly that um, families need to have that vision of an inclusionary quality program from age birth to three moving up. So I think that with all the issues challenging education today, Um, We want to take the time to recognize that little children and their families belong and that they need some specialized support. We can't just take a fifth grade teacher and put them down into a three to five program. And we can't just take uh, a group of people and say, now you're a team to share your expertise to help this child. 
it takes sustained training. And um, training starts at the uh, pre-service level uh, with the programs of study, which uh, is one of our tasks, is to look at these programs of study and see what changes, what tweaks we need to um, do uh, to establish standards that allow graduates to have this vision, and but most importantly, the skills. And then to provide continuing education to everybody in the school. Um, because I think we are very good at compartmentalizing, and um, in a number of the programs we have uh, through our USED, we're realizing that we need to bring principals on board, we need superintendents to be on board, and uh, you know, early childhood is something that is not necessarily front and center in the uh, traditional uh, school-based planning or even the school board planning. It's sort of put aside as special education and uh, the yeah. IDEA. Uh, program and we really need to kind of create new schools for all and everybody, especially those who have been marginalized because of differences in color, ethnicity, race, and uh, linguistic background. And how are you getting the communications out? Have you, are you guys working on that? I mean, obviously we're trying to help here, but uh, is there a, is there a set method gonna, to do this? Have you thought about that? I was Mary just going to say. We yeah. thank you and we thank our partner, oh. CEC, because we're really trying to get this out and we're starting to roll because, again, I think you pointed out a perfect example of most people don't even think of dissemination or getting the word out as a very important piece of anything yeah. we do. It and is. it really is. We need to get that out there in, in messages that people understand and also not just to get the message out but then have the backup of so to, you know, to do this, this is what you need to be able to know and do. Well, the school districts can help. I'll offer you something else. We have our magazine and our websites, and this is to the three of you. Okay, please feel yeah. free to write us a big article. I'll introduce you to our editor, Meyer Appleby, and you guys can get that together, and we will publish it for you. Okay, Thank so you. that's another Thank way you. to do it. It's my pleasure. That's for real. That's sincere. Thanks. So please, I'll inter after after we're done this, I'll I'll send you, or or you can remind me. Just um, please. Okay, do that. Thank Tara, you, you Thank said you. you're welcome. You're welcome. Tara, you said something before. You're very involved in the cultural part of this, correct? All right. There's a challenge out there with the communication, and you know this as well as I do. A lot of people from the different cultures, and I'll include to some degree African-American, though I hope that's not true, very strong, but certainly in the Latino cultures, like from Guatemala and all that sort of thing, and perhaps the Arabic cultures as well, they're not families aren't used to getting that involved in schools. The schools are a little standoffish in some of those cultures where they come from, and to go talk to a school, is it scares them. I'll be, just say it that way, okay? They don't think it's an appropriate thing to do, okay? Here, it, we hope it is, all right? How do you, uh, with the, that, it's a cultural situation. How do you handle that? Uh, especially for young families. I mean, they got enough on their plate. Now they got to do this. What are your thoughts on that? Tarawa. Yeah. Um, I, I think you asked a very complex question, um, and I will yes, do is. my best to be able to respond. So I tend not necessarily to um, group people um, and make a blanket statement um, about large groups of people by ethnicity, um, because for you know every um, person that may meet a, a particular um, um, characteristic, there are 20 other that do not. So I I would say that when we look across the country, there are I would say across the racial, ethnic, cultural, and linguistic groups, 
that are here in the in the U.S. territories and tribal nations. But at points in time, all parents experience these barriers um, because of the way systems are structured. Um, and we're going to say the culture of our educational systems, which are indeed different in each state and local community, so that it's not always easy to um, uh, to understand um, individual family services plans or individual education plans because of the language that's used and because the way things are structured. I would say that some families across diverse racial and ethnic groups do indeed encounter barriers based on language. Also may encounter barriers based on just traditional norms that in um, many countries um, um, outside of the U.S. Um, that teachers are held in high regard. Um, and that is a highly respected um, uh, profession. Not saying that that isn't in the U.S., but we do see that. And oh, so absolutely. that if uh, so, if a family indeed has this degree of respect for a teacher, they're less likely to challenge that teacher, or less likely to um, question um, things within the system because there is an opinion or even perhaps a belief that the system has their best interests at heart. Again, this is not to say that our education systems don't have our best, um, the best interest in heart um, of, of the children and families who are there, but we know that systems can be very bureaucratic um, and very difficult to be able to access, and that the language used, whether one speaks English or a language other than English, can be complicated and indeed confusing. And so I, again, wanted to respond in that way. Are there specific communities that may have more challenges? Yes, indeed. Um, particularly uh, those that may be in rural areas that may, in, in fact, be in, um, I'm just going to put this out there, in states where the social political climate isn't so very friendly. Sure. And so I think that we cannot talk about any of this without looking at the social, political, and economic environment in which we find ourselves. Because um, that is a culture in the United States, and it has significant implications on early childhood intervention, um, the range of services that will be offered, the amount of money that has been allocated for such services, um, the populations that receive them versus those who have to struggle for them. So I, I think that we have to look at this in the context of our entire country. And so if we look at this from a lens of equity, including education systems that serve populations in the U.S., and again, um, are, are across the states, territories, and tribal nations, are not equitable. So it's only logical that early childhood systems are also not equitable. And there's so many factors that really impact equity including how legislation is implemented in each state or territory, the allocation of fiscal resources, um, again, as I stated, the social, political, and economic climate um, in um, various uh, um, geographical accounts um, across this country, and importantly, how that impacts differences in access, availability, acceptability, quality, and utilization of early childhood intervention services by such factors as race, ethnicity, language spoken, um, and again, other demographic factors. Good answer to a tough question, and thank you. Thank you, which brings me to, I'll, I'll stay with you, Tara, okay, on this, okay? 
there's there's some, some states are behind, some countries are behind. We're probably behind other countries. I don't know. Is there a shining star that we can copy from so, some state doing it right or some country doing it right for early childhood special ed? Do you know? Um, I cannot. I cannot pinpoint a country or a state at this particular time. I will say that there are specific practices. There is leadership. Um, there's community support that may be happening across the United States. Um, I think that is part of the task, and that is to identify those places where things are really working. And I would say yeah. it may be really working for a specific populations and groups and communities and to lift those up um, overall. I, I would also, I know we have much time left, defer to Mary Beth who may be able to point to mm-hmm. a singular state or system. I cannot. Well, and, and I appreciate that. Mary Beth, is there a shining star out there? Um, at this point, we uh, I will echo what uh, Tawara is saying. Well, at least we a star, let me say point. that. Yeah. yeah. Shining yeah, we, or otherwise, we are actually, yeah. We are actually at a uh, institute, that uh, another project that um, I direct, and Darla is a part of, uh, and we have eight state leaders in early intervention and early childhood special oh, education. Um, who are looking at their state systems. Um, Through the new uh, Early Childhood Intervention for uh, Personnel Development Equity Center, we'll be working with states. Because at this point, um, states have such complex systems that um, there is uh, more barriers than facilitators to meeting our vision of an equitable system for all uh, children in early childhood intervention. But um, I think internationally, um, there are some intriguing practices, such as the um, country of Finland, which uh, puts an early childhood special educator as the lead teacher in all early childhood uh, programs. And um, that means that all children get an individual education program. Um, And this was done by my colleague uh, Lynn Kagan down at uh, Columbia Teachers, who did a... um, a study under, I think, UNICEF funding and looked at six countries. But um, I think that we all, most important, I think, is to help people see that a vision is achievable and that it's not just aspirational, um, which means that we teach step-by-step well step what are the kind of um, activities and actions that have to occur in order to start, start with the personnel, to enable personnel to be able to um, make sure that every child it will start with every family. Every family has access, the opportunity and access um, into an early childhood intervention system that is included in the public school system. It's got to happen. And, uh, again, we, we hope it, it can it can really happen. Uh, Darla, I'm going to make you the point person on this. My good friend Lori over at CEC did not give – I just realized did not give me your email addresses. I forgive her for that. Can you write down mine <laughs> – and remind me and, and write me an email and I'll get you in touch with our editor. Okay. My yeah, email is, absolutely. my email is Larry, very simple, Larry at ace-ed.org, A-C-E-E-D.org, Larry at ace-ed.org. Okay. Perfect. Okay. That's your, that's your homework, Darla. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Good. And, and and if you don't do your homework, others will suffer, okay? You'll have to stay after school. So right Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> right, right, write me that email, okay? Ladies, you were wonderful. You're doing good work out there. And, boy, this is a big topic. And, you know, as I always say about early childhood education, it's the same thing. <laughs> Carpentry, you build, a, you build a good foundation, you have a good house, okay? And, uh, you know, we've we got to get this at the get-go. We're smart enough to understand it's got to start before kindergarten. It's got to be in pre-K. It's got to be birth to three, as one of you mentioned. Okay. And we know this, and now we got to make it happen. So keep up the good work. Mary Beth Bruder, Tara McGood, and Darla Gudler, you three, you're, 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 thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Larry. You're thank you. welcome. Okay. Have a good day. Okay. I hope we talk you again. But I, I Remember, everybody, nag Darla to send me that email. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I will. There you go. Thank okay. you, ladies. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, everybody. And thank you, Lori Vanderplug, my good friend over at CEC, okay, for um, setting up this show. This is really, it's fast, to me, it's a fascinating topic. Never thought about it. Wow. Okay, so for all the podcasts we've done here, this is the first time this one has ever come up, this topic. I find it fascinating. All right, and we've got good people working on the situation. All right, we're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org. Just like my email is Larry at h-ed.org. You're all welcome to write me with any ideas or anything else, okay? Uh, please do so. And please check out what we do over there at h-ed.org, including our journal, which you'll really enjoy. It's really good because that person I'm going to set Darla up with named Maya Appleby is an amazing editor. Okay, so please check it all out. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. This is Larry Jacobs.